Welcome to More Talk episode 12. This week we've got Ed from Sunbury Serpents on. We're going to get into migraine, lace, azanthic, all of those cool projects that Ed's working. And we're going to kick it off with how Ed got into the hobby and how long he's been doing it. You know, I've kind of, I've been breeding for seven years. I've been keeping them for 10. And I'm, I was a prime example of one of those people who came into the hobby that I didn't see it as the hobby at first. I saw it as myself getting reptiles for me as pets. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know, you see the bigger picture and you start to meet all these other people and, and get into it. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, look, oh, fire, that looks quite nice. I'll buy one of them. Oh, look, look, and I was buying males like they were going out of fashion, not even thinking <laughs> about breeding. So I had a male fire, I had a male enchi, and I'm, I'm going to make a, you know, and eventually I bought a female enchi, and I was like, I'm going to make an enchi fire, they look cool. And then I suddenly realised that there's this market out there, no morph market at the time. So there's a market out there, and it's huge, and there's, there's, there's shows, you know, obviously I live opposite Kempton, so there was, it used to be a show there. And uh, suddenly realised there's all this, that there's shortcuts to all this. You can, instead of buying every single gene, you can buy like a five gene combo or three gene combo and work your way towards something. And I started out by just buying everything. And then I've gone back on myself and refined refined what I've done. And I, I have, to be fair, I have refined it several times. Um, but now I feel like, I, I think this is probably the, the, over the last two years, it's the first two years I've actually found a direction. And I have been looking at people like Justin, I've been looking at Miguel's stuff, I've been looking at, because what they, what they allow us to do, they allow us to see a combo that we might have had in our in the back of our minds, or like, you know, I'd like to have that combo, but he'll do it with Desert Ghost, or he'll do it with Genetic Strike Clowns. And it it just, all of a sudden, you go, Jesus Christ, that's my direction, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. But what I do, I look at all that stuff, but I'm very much now, I've kind of trained myself not to just jump on a bandwagon and go for something, but what I have done is I've enhanced my collection so that I can put incredible genes together at some stage whenever I can I'm not in a hurry uh, and produce some cool stuff but to be fair that means I do have a a line of exanthic I don't know Um, I've got desert ghost I've got ghost I've got a lot of clown um, and I've got a shitload of lace stuff and lace is something that I'm constantly messaged about everyone messages me about lace and (laughs) everyone wants to buy it and I'm like, oh, you know, my, my clown female posted on Instagram this morning. She's just ovulated yeah. to a, a, to my exanthic lace male. And I posted that and I got five messages like, right, I want a hatchling. Give me one of the babies. Give me one of the babies. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to line breed it. I want to fill up my racks with it because I like looking at it. And I've across the garden, funnily enough, I'm, I'm just about to redo my room. So I was like, redo my snake room, maybe sell a few of those to out, you know, to outlay the cost, which is massive of rebuilding a room but uh yeah so all these genetics coming together in my room but i've decided i just have to stop buying shit now i've got a you know but it's hard yeah (laughs) yeah it's a good it's a good point actually because i I was yeah that's a good point i'll ask you um you do you ever think maybe i won't post this one Yes, yeah, 100%. <laughs> because, you, do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I'm not where you are, but, you know, like I, even I've had it where I, like, I've said, oh, this girl's ovulated, and someone said, oh, what's the pairing? And then I've said yeah. this, this, and this. And then, oh, I want one of them. Oh, I want one of them. Oh, I'll, I'll have one of them. Do you know what I mean? And you go, oh, hang on. Actually, I want to hold some of these back, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I
exactly it. I get it. I've had it a lot. I've had um, a lot of clown clutches, you know, five, six years ago when I was getting my first clutches. Um, you know, I was getting people, I was breeding some pretty cool stuff when I was working with Tony Hersey on some clown projects. And every time I was doing a pairing, I wasn't posting on Instagram back then. So I was just like, I was talking to people and WhatsApping people and I was mm. in various groups and um, on Messenger and stuff like that. So people were messaging me and going, right, oh, yeah, I see you've, you've paired a, um, a firefly clown to a lesser het clown female. I want some of those babies. And I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm there going, well, I, I kind of want to make money from it. But at the same time, I want to build my collection. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have, to be honest, I have in the past, I have every now, you know, maybe once or twice, I've kind of gone, okay, all right, I'll, I'll sort you out with the hatchling. Um and I have gone and then sold those hatchlings. But I look at some of the stuff I've sold over the years and I think, Jesus Christ, if I just kept. And, I, and I, you know, females are very sought after, so they're the first port of call for me. It's like, okay, if somebody wants an animal and I need a, you know, I want to, I have the ability to sell it, I put it on Morph Market, an hour later I get a message and I'm like, right, I can know that sold quickly. And then as soon as I've sold it, I think to myself, why the fuck did I just sell that? <laughs> I just, you know... And this uh, last year, I produced a lot of clutches. The year before, a lot of clutches, and I've held back most of them. I've sold maybe five females and about fifteen males, but kept back uh, quite a lot of stuff. And yeah, it's just you know, it is definitely something that I think about when I look on Instagram and I go, I'm about to post something, and I go, actually, I'm not going to fucking post that. So there's a there's a pairing that I I was going to post, and funny enough. I took a picture and I was thinking about posting it. I was looking at it earlier and thinking about posting it and I'm like, I better not because I've got too many messages asking me about lace anyway. Yeah. So I thought, I put my exanthic lace in with my leopard clown female. You're right. And, uh, and, and I was like, no, I'm not going to post that. I'm just going to keep that one a little secret. Yeah. So, you know, at some point I'll go, oh, I've got a, uh, I've got a leopard lace double head exanthic clown. You know. Yeah. That sort of stuff I just want to keep and I want to fill up my... But, but I'm sort of, in, in a really selfish way, and I think I've kind of <laughs> learned to become really selfish uh, in, in respects, you know, in regards to my animals, is I, I'm kind of like, right, I'm breeding for myself, I'm breeding for me, I'm breeding to enhance my own collection. Yeah. And that's why we all kind of, we're, all of us as breeders, we all have a, a passion and we all want every drawer we open to be amazing. That's yeah. why I go over to Gareth's and I'm like... Let's open some drawers. <laughs> and, and it's just like, desert goes, desert goes, desert goes, desert goes, and everything's amazing. And I've kind of, you know, and I've, um, I've always wanted my collection to be like that, but over the last few years, it's been very, like, I've had a very selfish outlook. I'll sell animals, and I love meeting people, and love seeing animals, and love doing things, but people start talking to me about, oh, letting animals go. I'm like, nah, I'm not selling anything. I'm keeping it all for myself. <sighs> I, I, th I think that's the thing because I th think if you buy things with the intention of making what you want to make, yeah, then obviously you don't want to sell them all, you know, because otherwise, you know, like, you know, unless you're like a big commercial breeder and you're just buying things to breed to sell, sort of thing, you, yeah. Yeah. you, you want to keep that stuff, you know, otherwise you wouldn't have bought it in the first place. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I don't. It's difficult though because sometimes you feel guilty if you say no to someone because they're like you know if they're a friend or something and they're like messaging you going oh if you if you hatch that I, I'd be interested in that and you go yeah but so would I <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean like I, I kind of that's kind of what I want you know so yeah yeah, yeah some, sometimes it's like, difficult yeah. yeah it is it's 
it's very difficult. I mean, I've, I've, I like the idea, and I've always liked having, you know, good friends in the hobby who we can, who I can buy from, and they can yeah. buy from me, or we trade and we do things, yeah. you know, that work for each other. And you know, I was very lucky to get some Desert Ghost stuff from Gareth. Yeah. And uh, that beautiful hypo, blackhead hypo female, red ring a female who gave yeah. the clutch. So I've got that beautiful clutch of all hypos. You know, we we basically bought the male together from Rene. So he's an orange dream hypo male. I bought the female, and then I've got Gareth around here to help me ID them. And I'm like, right, mate, take your pick. And he's like, I don't want them, they're yours. And I'm thinking to myself, but this is a shared pairing. He's, he's very humble like that. He's very much like, look, you keep those. We've got loads. And we, we've started to do a couple of pairings. So he's got my chocolate hypo het DG male. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. He's putting that to loads of his females. And I'm kind of in the same, same thoughts. I'm thinking to myself, well, if his females are going to lay eggs, then I'm not going to go around there going, give me all of those. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, quite, I like that in the hobby if there's people who do little, um, you know, do little projects with and share things with. And that's what, for me, the hobby's about. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster, as we know. Yeah. It's a bit of a, you know, there are good people out there, are bad people out there. But it's quite, you can quite quickly refine your group and have a really good group of people. So the Discord's a great example. It's a bunch of people who are, uh, who are enthusiastic about reptiles. There's beginners. There's, there's people who've been doing it for years. Yeah. But there's a very, uh, very neutral approach on the group. I think everybody's prepared to listen. Everyone's prepared to say what they want to say. There's no discrimination. And I think that that is so key for the hobby moving forward. I think that for, you know, and... And it just goes back to that thing for me of I'll always be happy to do a project with someone or share something with someone. And um, sorry, uh, that is, you know, that's across the board. And I've, I've already started doing a couple of bits with people because obviously I've got this unidentified exanthic line in my yeah. migraine and my lace. So I'm doing various projects with people. So if somebody, for example, has a, has a het, het uh, exanthic female of one of the lines, I'll then contact them and go, look, if you fancy it, I'll do, uh, we'll do a little joint project, uh, you know, and then you can take your pick of the hatches. You can have whichever one you like. And if it proves out to be the, that line, then you can have an, you can have an exanthic, an exanthic hip migraine uh, of whatever combo you desire. And that's my, because I've been looking online for looking on, you know, on Morph Market and speaking to various people about the different lines. And I know there are animals out there but I haven't been able to find that many. And I've got one het, pastel het TSK uh, who came into my racks a couple of days ago. So she, but the male's going to be going to her in a few weeks. Um, came from someone off the Discord and, you know, their collection was immaculate. Everything about their setup was perfect. So I could, I could with, with confidence, could take that snake. And it's not something I do that often. Take a snake from someone else. And put it into my reptile room. Yeah, you know, you look at this snake; it's healthy. It's you know, ideally what you should do is quarantine it for three to six months. Yeah, but everything about this room, I was like, it's, it's clean to the mine. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I sort of, I, I felt confident in that way. So I've done that, and I think um, with this group, with other groups, I think that's a great. It's a great platform and a great way to to share projects. But that's yeah, that's how we have to be moving forward. I think everyone has to work together. Um, I like the idea of, you know, because not everyone can go out and buy a 5G DG female or uh, or a confusion fucking head clown or this and that. So I think if there are people out there with projects to share and projects to enhance each other's collections, I think it should be something people look at and not look at just making money from it. Making money from it's a, 
a great bonus. Making money from it is one of those things that we all need to do because we've all got big expenses. We've got outgoings. Yeah. And if we can make, you know, I dread to think how much I've spent and how little I've made over the seven or eight years. Yeah. But that little I make might buy me, yeah, might buy me a box of frozen, you know, frozen rats for a, for a month. You yeah. Know, I might buy one every week for a month off a snake that I've just sold. But uh, yeah, without the hobby, without the people in the hobby, and without the right kind of ideas, I think things wouldn't work very well. No, yeah, is the problem is uh, I was going to say because you hatched azanthic of all yeah. the recessives to hatch, it's like the worst one to pop up because it, it, it's like six different azanthics. So yeah. Yeah. it's trying to find the right one. I mean, obviously VPI is probably going to be the most common. Yeah, uh, VPI, TSK are the kind of the UK. Yeah, uh, the UK more more so uh, bred in the UK. There are a couple of people with MJ. MJ, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, black oxanthic starting to pop up a bit more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's oh, bit... it's, it's, it's going to take a really long time. But I, I, I suppose the way I looked at it, at first I thought to myself, well, I've, I've had a couple of years of hatching them and just being amazed by them. Yeah. And not really, and just sort of soaking it up. And I think now I'm, I'm at that stage where I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, I can continue line breeding them. And producing exanthics and figuring out in my collection what is it het for exanthic. Yeah. But at some point I'm going to have to kind of dive in, and I started with this tier het TSK female, so that'll be the first one. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take my time with it. I'm at that stage now with my uh, with my snake breeding and with the way I keep my animals and and the how I do it. I, I want more. I want more enjoyment out of it, so I'm not going to rush with anything. I'm just going to breed. I'm going to have fun with it. If I have a couple of years off breeding, so be it. I'll still enjoy my animals, still feed them, still clean them, still look after them, still have my mates and their kids around to have a look at them and, and have a hold and a play. And oh Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a bit of a long journey, this one. So as cool as they are, um, <laughs> it's a proper head fuck. <laughs> yeah, but it's quite a nice head. It's a, it's a good headache to have. I was going to say, you got you, you kind of look at it two different ways, can't you? You kind of go, ah. Oh, that's going to be a nightmare to figure out, but exactly. what a bonus! Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and especially it's lace as well, isn't it? Sorry, it's lace as well. So I've got yeah. So I've got the migraine. It's in migraine and lace. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the mig the migraine. So basically, the entry splatter migraine I got from Tony Hersey. Yeah. Um, that male is heteroxanthic, and it turns out that basically ninety five percent of that. The splatter stuff that I got from Tony is het for exanthic. Right. So he's got very little of it, and I've got made basically the majority of it, which is bizarre. So I break that entry splatter migraine to an entry splatter pos het migraine female. Turns out she's het exanthic. So I ended up producing a super entry splatter migraine. She's double. She's het exanthic and het migraine. So I oh. ended up. I ended up producing. A, a ridiculous world first but I didn't really look at it as a world first and I thought about it and gone yeah no one else has got one but I mean that's not really my goal it's not like produce world first and tick a box but I did that and was like Jesus Christ now I've got in a, in a row of one of my racks I've got four or five tubs with splatter females in them who are all dicky feeders you know one of them only has one of them has a fresh killed multi like once a month because she's a pain in the ass and then I've got others who will just eat sporadically over you know over the season so I'm getting them up to size, and I don't like to breed too young. And I've, I have, you know, 
the odd one or two. I've got to like 13, 50, and I've gone, wow, they're eating all right. Let's just put a mail in and try and get them fucking, you know, get them going. But that's this line, this massive row of, yeah, this big row of females I've got. They're all probably going to prove out. They'll prove out hip migraine because the female entry splatter improved out hip migraine in the exanthic. She looks identical to a couple of others. So, yeah, there's there, there's that, but then there's the lace side of things. I mean, I quite I'd quite like to refine the lace, and obviously I've got lace in clown. I've got three lace head clown females who are all about fifteen hundred grams. I've got two. I've got a fire lace head clown male. I've got a lesser fire lace head clown male as well. So I've got I've got this little project of lace head clown stuff that. Not many people know I have. Um, but well, they do now. They do now. Yeah, that's just that's, <laughs> that's just greedy though. That's a lot of lace. <laughs> but then, but also, I mean, this is the thing, and this is why I've been so I have been a bit greedy, and I've I've, I've bred them over. I've bred more and more. So basically, the lesser fire lace male I've kept, the lace, the original lace het exanthic female I've kept. They're all het exanthic, so it's all a bit of a mind. It's all a bit of a uh, all a bit of a brain fart, but. Um, the, so I bred the, I, you know, the second season, I bred the lesser violates to the lace het exanthic because I knew that she produced exanthics. But the first season, she just produced a straight up lace het exanthic, uh, sorry, lace exanthics, a male and a female. So the female's currently sitting at 1,800 grams already. She'll be ready next season and she is going to see a yellow belly desert ghost because I want to make uh, Exanthic DG lace, or yeah. lace Exanthic yellow belly DGs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, a bit mental, but I'm kind of, I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I keep, I keep uh, I'm obviously I'm pairing her this season to this uh, yellow belly DG. Oh, sorry, no, I'm pairing another lace female. I've got loads of lace, so I've got tons of it. <laughs> but I'm just greedy, I'm keeping it all. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got five lace females. Uh, all breeding at the moment and um, yeah a couple of males but I'm kind of yeah I just want to see what they all throw out because all the females that I'm breeding apart from the the visual lace exanthic they're all pos het exanthic yeah so it, you know it could fire out some incredible I mean it could fire out some absolutely insane animals you know the the kingpin daddy lace female is being bred by the exanthic lace male so that's that's just going to be a mind. If she proves out exanthic, uh, I might produce white lace, white lace exanthic this year. I don't know. I mean, it might be. Uh, I might get lucky. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing because don't get me wrong, lace is amazing, but the white lace is where it's at. So exactly. having yeah, having yeah. multiple lace is not yeah. really a bad thing. No. You know, it might might be hoarding, yeah. but you know, yeah. I might I, mean, you know, that's, I might hate yeah, you a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've sort of you know in seeing other people in, in seeing what other people have done with lace yeah and I, to, I have to be completely honest I don't think lace as far as I'm aware I've seen one combo that lace works in clown and that was a, a combo that Justin uh, posted last week and I can't remember what it was exactly I can probably find it but I've not seen it you know the, the, the single gene lace itself is a beautiful animal it's yeah got some quite quite cool characteristics um then obviously the exanthic lace i've produced is cool but then as soon as you start adding genes it does you know adding bell genes um which i've got it does start to kind of muddle it up a little bit so you start you start to lose the definition you start to you know with obviously the bell gene you get much brighter animals yeah 
and then you start to lose definition and all of a sudden you're not seeing the the kind of the whites and the belly bleeding up you're not seeing the blushing you're not you're not getting the head the little they basically have this really funky little head stamp which is basically a white mark on the head or, mm. or a clear mark if you look at a brown head and it's kind of a beige mark and you lose that with the bell so then you lose the you lose the possibility of IDing them that way so I'm kind of I'm, as much as I'm adding jeans to it and adding codoms I'm sort of almost trying to keep it as simple as possible for now so the lace obviously lace yellow belly is a wicked direction because I've seen them and I think most of us have probably seen a lace yellow belly and they're beautiful yeah we know that DG makes everything better so yeah. if I can get yellow belly and DG into lace then I'm going to be producing lace that get better with age and still maintain that really nice pattern and the vibrance and the yellow belly madness in the belly mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's a, it's a really cool project I've kind of I've got as I say I've got a lot of angles on it but um, and yeah I've got a lot of people who are after it and I've done a, I, I, to be fair I have done a couple of sort of yeah, possible deals with people who who want the lace and the lace set clown stuff and I might be getting some quite interesting bits I mean I, I, I was interested in monsoon so I've been speaking to a couple of people with monsoon uh, who would also like to jump on the lace clown project so there, there's possibilities there but yeah it's yeah it's it is fun it's a bit mind-boggling all the lace stuff but it's uh, it's a cool project yeah I was, I was trying to remember who had the uh, because I saw a fire lace clown for sale, that was really nice. That might have been Seth Silbert. If it was more, if it was North Market US, Seth Silbert's kind of the lace man over there. Oh, okay. I thought it was Brock. Was Brock, it? Oh, Brock Wagner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he he does have some lace, but I don't think he's. I mean, he's obviously he's probably well. He's probably secretly line reading, and he's probably got he's probably got tons of it, like Justin. But. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't. There's a white lace clown or white lace DG been made yet. Uh, white lace clown. I'm not sure. I don't think so. There might that'll be in the pipeline, and I, I would imagine Seth probably um, probably produced them. I, I mean, I've obviously I've spoken to him a number of times. I say you know we've messaged each other a number of times when I first produced the Exanthic lace, and I, I you know I know what he's been working with, and I know he's got it heavily in clown, but I don't know whether it's been produced. Um, yeah. I think if it's a white lace clown. If it's a, white, a yellow belly white lace clown, it'll be quite distinguishable because yellow belly and clown is weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain, I'm, I could probably say it even without knowing, that Justin's got, he's probably got a, a rack, you know, maybe 80 tubs with 50 or 60 breedable lace head clown females or lace clown females. I, I know he's got a lace clown female that's yeah. breeder i don't because i'm sure he posted up the other day of her on eggs oh really so i don't know what i don't know what the pairing was but i'd be surprised if he wasn't aiming for a white lace clown he's yeah i mean I, I, he is one of those things obviously like as i say i've got some angles on the project but i am and i do you know i, I do follow justin i do watch him i listen to him he's a genetic master so he's, if, if anyone, you know, and as we all know, if anyone's going to unlock a project, it's him. Yeah. So as much as I'm doing my breeding and I'm, I'm kind of, I've got my goals, if he then produces some form of lace, or he, if he produces a, a combo, a lace combo that just goes boom, then I, you know, I, I might, I might well have the ingredients for it. I may yeah. well be able to do something with it and it'll give me a bit of a head start, but that's the cool thing I think about people like him is they do 
and that's why he gets so many followers because everybody who breeds animals looks at him and looks for inspiration because I don't I mean I, I know of a lot of breeders who breed incredible animals and are you know they, they're good on genetics but there's nobody like Justin who can who can truly identify characteristics in every genetic and also identify what goes with what yeah so well it's just it's utterly ridiculous and it's inspiring to, to listen to him and watch him and listen to podcasts he's on because he's just as well as being this genetic wizard he's he's the most humble bloke you'll ever listen to yeah it's ridiculous yeah but uh yeah i'm i have to say i am following him for the latest definitely yeah yeah um you've got malum I have got Malum, yes. Is it the yeah. same as Harlequin? No, no. So like, I, I'd always thought it was the same as Harlequin. Right. So um, Harlequin is uh, co-dom. Yeah. So there is a super Harlequin. Malum is dominant. So, uh, and I, and I, so basically, I think, it, is it Marco Morphy who's got loads of uh, Harlequin? He, he's a Harlequin of and Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of it in Europe. Harlequin. So there's loads yeah. of Harlequin in Europe. So I mess. I produced um, that wicked Malum clutch last year. Unfortunately, lost the twins, who were the probably would have been the cream of the crop. Um, and I, so I messaged Marco Morphy and I said, "Oh, you know, I've just produced these amazing Malum animals. Can you, um, can you tell me a little bit about Harlequin and how it's similar to similar to Malum, or is it the same?" Question mark. Yeah. And he was fairly fast to fire back. He was really nice. He was a really nice guy. He's really nice to chat to. And he was like, oh, you know, complimented on the animals and said, oh, it's absolutely amazing. But at the end of the message, he sort of said, oh, and uh, just just so you know, Harlequin and Malum are completely different. Harlequin's Kogon, Malum's a dominant. Uh, so he sort of confirmed that for me. And it's it's a really, really cool gene. I mean, it is talking about Malum. I, I, I do like it, and I think it brings something really cool to the animals. It brings like a, almost like a chocolate sheen to the animals. Yeah. It does make them look pretty cool. And I produced, I produced two clutches from it because I didn't know much about it the first time I produced a clutch. I pretty much let the entire clutch go. So it was a, it was a very leopard-heavy clutch. I think it was. Um, I produced eight babies, and six of them were leopard combos, and they looked really nice, really dark, really kind of funky looking. And I've kept one from that clutch, who's a male, who's a breedable male now. Um, but I don't really have any plans for him. I was maybe put put him back to his. Uh, putting back to his sister but it's that is actually thinking of my all of the projects that i'm doing and i'm big on heavy on recessives because i love the recessives and i love the length of the project i think mallow is probably one of the projects that i will let go as a project to somebody i mean if somebody wants to get into it or have a little fun with it it's not you know it's relatively inexpensive um you know you could probably get a male and a female breeder size for three or four hundred quid maybe five hundred mm. quid yeah yeah and um the hatchlings would sell pretty quick because they're really, really nice. I've got a few of them for sale on Morph Market. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it is a nice gene. Um, I've Obviously, I've only had a couple of clutches from it, so I've not really unlocked the true potential of it, perhaps. I mean, I've, you know, I produced from the clutch last year, uh, I think the cream of that crop, obviously, the, the twins didn't make it. The female that made it, and basically I've, I've got one male and four females. Um, one of the females was a leopard, Malum, Mojave, Hidden Gene, Woma. And she's just just utterly ridiculous animal. Uh, she just looked amazing. She's you know I remember Gareth coming round and just being like, obviously the first thing he noted was, you've got the most, you've got the angriest hatchlings I've ever seen. <laughs> so this Malum clutch were all uh, all possessed, and you know you'd open the tub and they'd fly straight out, 
and if you tried to pick them up, they'd just bite you. Uh, and then I opened the tub with that one, and he's like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it, it's just got everything that you'd expect in a, in a beautiful animal. It's got a funky pattern. It's got a really cool saddle. It's got, you know, like white belly coming up. It's got wicked kind of bronzy eyes and a brown head. And it's like, it just looks, it's got lots of different color, lots of different shades of brown and gold. And it just looks like a really funky animal. So the one animal out of that whole clutch I'll keep is that one. And then I've got a Mojave Malum female on Morph Market. I've got a Leopard Mojave Malum male on Morph Market. But it's one of those, I mean, I've, I'm, I've, maybe they haven't shifted because I'm just shit at pricing animals. I'm just, I've, I've never been very good. He's, do you know what? It's so, so I always find it so, so hard to judge because yeah. the price difference can be massive on some combos, and you just, yeah, you just, yeah, it is. Yeah. You, you, you just, yeah, it's a real struggle sometimes to try and price yeah. animals. It's just, I do think, you know, I do think we, well, me, me particularly, and maybe it's just big headedness, but I do tend to, you know, I, I do look at the market, I look on Morph Market, but a lot of the time I do tend to sort of look at an element, animal and I go, well, that's what I think it's worth, mm-hmm. and I'll you know, there's um, banana. I've got two banana pastel clown males. I'm annoyingly, obviously, they're male makers, so they're not they're not shifting. They're just sitting there doing nothing. I have no use for them. Uh, most likely going to go to a, go to, well, possibly go to Adam Atier Exotics to his pet shop, and I'm not you know, I might have been able to back in the day, even being male makers, made a grand on them or made yeah yeah, but at this point they're not shifting. They haven't shifted for the year and a half they've been on morph market so I'm just going to give them to him and he can have them and he can make some money from them because he's a mate he's got a pet shop but yeah. that sort of yeah morph market it, it, it's so difficult to price up animals and I obviously females are always sought after breed of females everybody wants them yeah but then I tend to overprice I, you know, then people are like you know I'll probably, I've got a female I think she's an Enchiwoma Enchiwoma Hepide and I've I've, she's produced three clutches from me, all my Orange Dream Woma pies, all my, I've got a couple of well first from her, which were just the bangers from an Orange Dream Yellow Belly Hep Pie to an Inchy Woma Hep Pie, and I basically got everything in the combo in a male and a female. Well, in a male and the female got one gene less. So I sort of I sold the male already, he went for a, for a great price to somebody, um, and the female is up on off market, and she's not, she, weirdly, she's not shifting, and I'm thinking to myself, Fucking hell, is she too expensive? What am, I, what am I to do? But I've spoken to a number of people and they've kind of gone, don't keep shifting your prices. Just put them up at a price, leave it there, and eventually someone will buy it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I've got to try and do. And I've got the space and I've got the time for them. As long as I don't go over 200 animals, I'm happy. 200 is too much. For me, anyway. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's a balance, isn't it? Work and how much time you've got and things like that. Um I mean, like I even said this morning, you know, going out, you know, as soon as I walked in the room, I was like, something's shit. <laughs> and it's, and then it's like that whole thing of like, you know, Sod's Law, it's always the last tub. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you know, and, you know, and I was, I even said this morning, I was like, God, if I had like 150, 200 tubs and I had to go through every single one to find it. Yeah. I, I'd probably be rethinking my hobby. I'd probably be thinking, oh my God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you kind of you, you do. Um, I mean, I, you know, I did. I, at one point, I had something stupid like two hundred and sixty-eight animals. I think it was two hundred and sixty-eight, and I, I was working. I was self-employed, so I was working as a gardener, 
I was working a lot, but being self-employed, I could take you know the odd day here and there, every once a fortnight, to deep clean all the animals and get in there and actually do all the water changes yeah. on a regular basis. Be able to go in, but it just it, it, it then it becomes more of a chore than anything else. Yeah, I mean you know, and then back then when I was self-employed, you've got to kind of work your ass off being self-employed and just to bring the money in, make sure you've got the work, make sure you've got the jobs, all your customers are happy. So the stress of that was weighing on me and having all those animals was weighing on me. And then, so I had to reduce. And I actually, I so heavily reduced, I ended up with like 60 animals or something. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I've, I've got so much free time. And I've gone back up. I'm now working for a company um, and I'm managing a company and I'm working 52 hours a week. And I'm still somehow managing to find the time after work every other day to go into the snake room and check all the tubs. Yeah. And that's 160 odd tubs. And that's about right for me. But I know, you know, the hardest part of it is figuring out what can go. Because either you breed and you sell everything and you just keep your breeders. Yeah. Or you breed, you produce the animals you want and you take the slower route, which is sell all the adults and breed and grow up the babies to then breed them in a few years time. Yeah. I mean, for, to a lot of people, I'd imagine it's a bit of a rat race. You know, what you want is you want to keep all your breeders, you want to you want to breed them, you want to produce amazing animals, sell some of the clutch, make a bit of money back, and then breed them again the following season, or put a different male to a different female, and so on. Um, but yeah, I've, I've <laughs> the rat race. I just ignore it now, and I'm like, okay, I'm just I'm going to sell my adults, and I'm going to grow up my babies, um, and I think yeah, I think that the, the, the speed at which they grow up is will probably kind of shock some people sometimes yeah and obviously yeah, yeah. you do get the dicky feeders and they'll go oh god you know yeah i bought funnily enough get an all of gareth all of gareth's animals are fed so well and looked after so well that when they come they you know i, got, I bought the blackhead female off him blackhead hypo female and a lesser firehead dg female both of them were maluring food and obviously the blackhead hypo female went on year number year two, and the het DG female stopped. And she stopped eating, so I had to convert her to Maltese. Now she's like, "Ooh, nice!" And she just she just cracked on. But if I, I think, yeah, that looking at kind of going back to that, the idea of how you structure your, you know, the way you do it, whether you breed your adult year year, year in year out, I'm kind of more inclined nowadays to produce incredible animals sell the adults because the adults have produced amazing animals and you can sell them because you can show people what they produce yeah and then take your time growing up and instead of increasing the number of clutches you produce every year you actually reduce the number of clutches you produce therefore reducing the amount of time you're spending getting animals feeding and and then you enjoy watching your animals grow up yeah and i think there's just too, I, I i do always feel like there's too much of a rush people are just rushing to get things and rushing to breed and rush you know you can yeah to be fair you can breed a female in her second winter if she's in good form and good shape um ideally you want to wait three or four yeah um, but that just depends on the animal some are just you know absolute nutters on the food and you can breed them in two years with no problems at all yeah you know but uh, yeah, I'm I'm way more inclined nowadays to go down that route. So I'm looking at you know I was looking at my hatchlings this morning, thinking I'm going to enjoy growing new lot up, and I'm not going to even you know I might sell a couple. Then I was looking at my adults and going, 
which ones of you can I sell? And that's the hardest bloody thing. It, it's ridiculous. I, I, so I, I'm exactly the same. I thought, do you know what? I'll, um, I'll sell breeder females and swap them out for new ones each year. Yeah. And like last year, I only sold one breeder female, and I've been regretting it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> and I even, I even started looking at the females I'm breeding this year, thinking which ones of them will I sell. You know, to replace with the grow ups that I've got for next year, and I, I every time I, I think, oh, I could, I could sell her, and then I have an idea of what I could breed to her next year, and I think, oh, I don't yeah. know, actually, uh, I yeah. could make that with her, you know, and and it's really, really hard to do because you just think breed of females are so valuable to you. Exactly. You, yeah. you, it's hard to let them go. You know, it's kind of you kind of think, oh, you know, and especially if they lay big clutches or something you think oh you know it's yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. really hard it is it's really not, really hard it is um inevitably it does have to happen sometimes obviously if you've got the space you can keep them yeah do um yeah yeah the, those females will give you 10 15 eggs a year yeah like you know she's worth you know in your mind she's worth 20 grand yeah and in someone else's mind she's a 50 quid snake yeah know, sort of, like, it is really really difficult but I mean I, I, I suppose uh, thinking about it you know if you were if you, if you planned your you know like everybody plans their breeding everybody everybody says right I'm, I'm going to get uh, you know this male I'm going to put it to this female I'm going to make some hets I'm going to grow those hets up and then I'm going to put that male to those hets yeah uh, but then the female sits there and once you've made your hets Maybe you know in, in in one scenario, really, what you've got is you basically you've got this great big chart on the wall with all your males and all your females, with lines going to each of them to to figure out what you're going to do and where you're going to go with it. But I then I'm now thinking like, okay, well I've got a project. Say my my exantic lace project for example. Yeah. I've got uh, yellow belly desert goes male and an exantic lace female. Obviously, like two quite powerful animals. So I'll put them. I'll put them together. Hopefully, she, hopefully, if she goes, she'll produce. Um, she'll produce some little lace, double head DG exanthics. Yeah. So none of them will go anywhere. But do I then? You know, am I then going to keep the yellow belly desert ghost? I'll obviously keep the exanthic lace female because she's a female and I can't sell her. Um, yeah. Do what? Then what do I do? Do I then go? It's, it's sort of, you know, you've got to work out like how, which, which direction your project's going to go, how you're going to advance it, what animals do you need for that project. If you've produced your hets and you don't need the male, sell the male. If you've produced the hets and the females, whatever she is, you know, if you've put a, a, a visual to a, you know, like a visual recessive to a normal, and then you sell that female, or she produces 15 eggs, do you sell her? Do you not? It's like, oh, it, it's so yeah. difficult. It it is difficult. It's that you know it, it it's really difficult, isn't it? Because like even say you got like a red stripe female or something, and you say okay, I'm going to make some red stripe head clowns. You put a clown to her, you make your red stripe head clowns, and then you go okay, well I I don't really need her anymore because I've made my red stripe head clowns, right? But then you kind of think the next year you kind of go, oh, I could I could make I could put a DG to her and make exactly. red stripe DG head DGs, you know, or, 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 or you know I could put yeah anything. Do you know what I mean? You could and see so it's really difficult to sort of. Yeah, swap the ma- It's easy with males because you can upgrade a male. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's quite easy. It's quite quick. But females are just so valuable. You, it's difficult to sell them. 
And it always makes me laugh. I'm sure you've had it loads of times where you get people like messaging you. You only breed a female. You only breed. Yeah, I get. You know, I, I wouldn't say loads, but I definitely. I've, I've had quite. I've had people in the past. Yeah, you've got any breeding females available? Have you got any breeding? You know, I had uh, someone recently. I think because they'd seen some het migraine stuff I had. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, "Have you got any breedable migraine females? Have you got any breedable migraine males?" And I'm like, I'm "Not, not just. I'm not going to give out shit like that. It's just not going to happen." <laughs> you know, I might if some if, if I've got a mate who wants to loan one, then fair enough, I'll loan mm. them a male. If they've got some ridiculous, uh, you know, if I've got a ridiculous female that somebody wants to put an amazing male to, I'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's, it's basically like it's, it's a juggling act and I think um, I've got to the point in my juggling act where I'm like I have to now make some big decisions in terms of what females I let go and what I do because like you say as soon as I do start thinking about them and do release them they'll, they'll get snapped up yeah. and as soon as they get picked up I'll just go what the fuck have I just done Yeah. yeah. why didn't I just do that and then, and then I'll kick myself for a month or two that's it but then as the other, you know, then, then I'll make myself feel better by going in the grow on tubs and I'll go, actually, I've got an even better one in there. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to play around. But I did exactly what you just, you just it, it did an example of that. I have a pastel red stripe female who I put a banana clown to yeah. uh, two years ago and she laid an amazing clutch. And this year, so she had a year off last year. Now this year, she's being bred by the Yellow Belly Desert Coast. There you go. And it's like, you know, red stripes are cool gene. I don't I know not everybody loves it, but I think it's quite nice. It's produced some wicked stuff for me. Yeah. Um and actually you know what? Thinking about it, I don't think she did have last year off because I produced a load of het migraine stuff from her as well. So I've done the clowns, the the het migraines, and now I'm doing the DG. But at the same you know, the other thing I suppose you've got to think about is if you're doing all these recessive projects, that's millions of holdbacks. That's, that's that's the way up. Yeah, it's it's it becomes like a lost thing. The number of tubs. I've got I've yeah. got 120 V18s and I'm nearly full. I'm yeah. Like, Shit. Yeah. You know, I've got to now start thinking. I've got I've got 60 tubs uh, on one side, 60 on the other, next to each other. The female side is fairly. You know, that's about two thirds full. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, a third, a third full. The male side is two thirds full because I'm just male heavy, but they're all het migra, they're all het this, het that, double het this, double het that. That's like, it. Oh, I can't bloody, I, I just can't sell them. No, well, you can see that you can see whether because everyone, um, I don't know what your opinion is, but like uh, obviously the conversation at the moment is that everyone says, "Where's the future of the hobby?" Triple, quad, hets, right? Yeah. And I'm like. I don't think people realise how much space you're going to need for those projects. Yeah. Because, like Justin's had to build a whole new facility to hold these triple quad, you know, probably knowing him, pent hat, you know, all sorts, you know. You you need numbers. The odds are so long. You know, if you think... If, if you work a double recessive project, you know, like, how, like, you know, you end up, like, holding back loads and loads and loads. If you've got yeah. triple and quads, you're going to end up with tons of them. Absolutely. It's a very, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a long road. It's uh, it's two or three new racks to actually accommodate all these animals. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, I think the most I've obviously got at the moment, I've got three or four double-head hypo-clown females who are kind of nearly there. 
I've got a couple of males, and I've just bought a GHI less, a yellow belly, double heck clown hypo from Paul Milner. Nice. Um, I'm just, yeah, going a bit mad. Um, and I've kind of, I've got the double recessive project, but what I would like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll do it, but it's going to mean selling everything and keeping a hypo clown and, uh, so yeah, keep a hypo clown and a, a genetic striped desert ghost or something, you know, and then sell everything and just have those two animals and then do that and then produce the babies and sell well yeah i mean, i suppose that's the other way of doing it is you know you want you will need lots of tubs and you'll probably need two or three females if you're going to do it quicker yeah but doing it the long way around which would probably take you what would that take you so i suppose if you did yeah i mean it's, it's mental if you start right at the beginning and you start with a clown and a genetic stripe and a hypo and a dg Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's yeah, that's that, that's that's a long road. It's a very long road. I mean, you, yeah, I'd be sixty-five by the time I actually produce that quad head, unless you, of course, win go and win the lottery and just go and see Justin and go, "Can I have a quad head? Can I have a quad visual, please?" Well, but you know, it's... this is this is almost the debate because he's already started selling things that are like you know, yeah. visual for one and. Yeah you know, triple for another or even double and double and all that kind of stuff. He's already started selling those. So it is that kind of debate of whether you just save up the money and kind of jump yeah. jump yeah. the queue a bit and sort of yeah. buy something that's already, you know, yeah. a visual triple hat or, or yeah. you know, a visual double and double hat, you know, or something like that. Because, yeah, it's not going to be cheap, but it's going to save you a lot of work. Um, it's it's yeah. I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, obviously, like in terms of the way the hobby is now and the length of a project. I mean, obviously, for me, you know, all of us want this hobby to last. All of us want to uh, do well in it and not have legislations and laws. Yeah. You know, basically prohibiting us from doing anything or breeding animals. But I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I would ever go down a quad he a quad visual route. You know, with a recess quad recessive. I just don't. I, I see the legs in it. I see how good it will be and how cool it will be and how amazing the animals will be that you produce. Yeah. And the heads, particularly. I mean, being fucking quad head for something. Yeah. That animal's just going to explode in the camera, you know, in front of a camera. But I'm sort of. I mean, I, I, I'd like to maybe do I'd maybe do triple, but I don't think quad. I think triple's definitely doable, and I've probably got the ability in my room to do. Uh, yeah, hypo clown DG exanthic, that sort of thing. But I mean, I'd, what, I'd, what I'd need to do is actually sit down with a piece of paper, write down the adults I've got, and then start writing all the possibilities. And and but then you never know how many babies you're going to get in a clutch, and that, and so on and so forth. And write down the possibilities and see how long it takes. And then it, next to each name, next to each one, you'd write, you know, if there's a female, you'd write two to three years, male one year, and, and so on and so on. Go down this chart tally up all the years and Jesus then you'd be like right I'm not going to do it yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah 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 like I said it, it's just one of those things that I think about and it, it's it's also the surplus from those clutches yeah because everything being 66% you know that isn't visual becomes yeah. you know like it, it becomes like that thing of like it, they're not going to be high value animals they just, yeah they just become a, an animal that's valued at the value of the genetics in the animal not exactly the side of things or the poshead. yeah so then you go you know you've got something that's and that, i suppose that's where the hobby can be quite exciting 
for some people who, who like to tinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, I'm going to buy something that's possible quad head for this. Exactly. And they might produce two, they, you know, they might have some, they might buy a pair, and if they're really lucky, they might actually produce a double visual, you know. Exactly, they might, yeah. They might produce two of the recessives out of four. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a bloody lengthy project. I, I, I mean, I, I love seeing them, and I love seeing the people who are doing them. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, yeah. Think be a bit of a mind a mind bender for me. Right. Let let's get into migraine. Okay. <laughs> right. So I, I I'll get the I'll get the elephant in the room out of the way first. Do you think it's the same as cryptic? Uh, it has it, it has all the um, has all the characteristics that you see with cryptic uh, that you see with a but I think there's, I, I think there's something slightly different. I do think it has a, you know, obviously it's a layer to clown. It has, it has similarities. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the, maybe it's part of me that wants it not to be. But I, you know, I, I do think that further research needs to be done. Um, but I mean, you, you know, I'm gonna say for now, I think it is. But I, I just, I'd like to do some more. You know, some more pairings and some more research into it to to see if there's anything else that um, that might come of it. I mean, but I produced, I put the Enchi Splatter migraine to my Motley Clown and produced eight stunning animals, um, two Enchi mixers, and then the rest of them were mixers, and they're all incredible. And one particular one is just utterly insane. But then you you compare them to Cryptic, they yeah, everything about it's the same. They look the same. They've got the same neck pattern. They've got the same vibrance. They've got the same head stamp. It's it's so close and it's so similar that I have to say at this point they are probably the same. But I think it's that classic thing of not enough people have done enough pairings and enough work on that side of things to actually confirm it one hundred percent. I know I know we know now that Cryptic and Amur are the same. Yeah. And it just it, all it's going to take now is somebody to put. Uh, put some animals together to actually produce. I know Tony Hersey was trying to do it. You know, he bought a Desert Ghost and Myrrh, Desert Ghost Heta Myrrh male yeah. from a cinnamon, I think it was a cinnamon Desert Ghost Heta Myrrh male from Marco, uh, Van Haren, or Marco Morphy, one of them, um, and put it to a migraine female, but produced a Myrrhs and my, I don't know, he, he, he produced some really weird animals that I think, I don't think I don't think they proved it proved out to be the same. So I think he's doing a pairing again. Okay. Um, well, they didn't prove out, so he didn't get any visuals. He just got a load of mixers, basically, a load of random mixers. But uh, yeah, it definitely needs some work on it. So for now, I'm going to say they are the same uh, until I hear otherwise or until I see otherwise. But I mean, I'm not. At the end of the day, I'm not too fussed. I mean, I know that you know the price of cryptic, the price of migraine, the price of a mer are all relatively similar. Um, yeah, I think Cryptic was higher. Yeah. Um, Amur was cheaper, but obviously they're going to go yeah, the same now because they have to. Um, and then obviously it's just whether Migraine gets proven to be the same, but they're all similar price anyway. So yeah. it's... Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's that difficult thing. It's, I keep thinking, well, we know they're all a Lee Liquid Clown. Yeah. So there's almost like the logic kind of says they've got to be the same, really, exactly. because 
you know what I mean that that that's just but um but yeah I can see I can see differences but but you wonder whether it's just different lines because that's it yeah I was just thinking like yeah, I, you know I would say at, at, at the, the furthest stretch possible I would say that obviously cryptic and cryptic and Amer are the same migrate is just a different line yeah um, you know there are there they're inc- like cryptic and emerge the, the, the hets are beautiful the hets are vibrant they're colorful they're amazing and they both have uh, you know I, I think myself Tony uh, Gav who's now got them we'll all you know and Gav's had cryptic so he's he's going to be the person you know and I remember we had a conversation on one of the discord but I think he knows he sees the similarities he sees the fact that they are very similar but I think he'll probably agree that they probably are just different lines yeah and in that in that I think you know they should be valued the same I think they shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be through the roof I think they should be available to the markets because they do make beautiful animals they do you know the visual you know the actual visual emers cryptics and migraines are wicked they and they are good but I do I think the only thing they lack is a bit of DG the only thing they lack is um, the ability to hold their incredible color as as hatchling sub adults, and past sub adult, they they not that they brown out, but they just don't have that electric look that they have when they're when they're slightly younger. I mean, like a lot of genetics, a yeah, lot of yeah, I like that. Um, and that's what it's that's what it needs. And I know Tony's already produced double head migraine DGs, and it's something I'd like to do. Um, it's not something my, I've focused on this season particularly, but yeah. I think that's my view on the migraine. I mean, I really like it. I think it's a great gene. I was very lucky to get it. Uh, and I, I did go slightly mental with the male. I put into fucking like eight females or something ridiculous in one season. But he was a breeder. He'd, he'd breed and feed and breed and feed. Yeah. And he was just a great size, in great condition, and was always up for it. Never had to pull him from the breeding. And all the females he bred produced incredible babies. They all produced some beautiful, beautiful animals. <clears throat> but I'm slightly overwhelmed with with uh, het migraine males. Um, but I'm probably you know a lot of those, and, and it might sound bad to say, but I, you know I don't think there's a massive market for het migraine males at the moment. So these are basically going to be animals that go into the pet trade, um, you know, as as pastels or or super pastels or you know. But I've got some beautiful super splatter animals, and splatter is another side of the project which. Tony's actually line bred splatter, almost not, almost out of his project, so he's basically got a lot of migraine. I've predominantly kept splatter in my animals because I believe it is, you know, I've not tried to isolate it as such. Yeah, I think it's nice. I think it's a nice gene. It's a nice gene to have as an addition in a in a in a project. But the super version is, yeah, the super version's next level. That's that's something else. Super the super splatter het migraines I've got are absolutely incredible. And I pro- I, what I'm going to try and do is actually push that super splatter all the way through to the to the to the visual migraines, more migraines that I produce. Uh, obviously, it's all gone a bit tits up because I produced an exanthic version, and I don't know what's going on there. It's all a bit strange. I don't know whether it's super empty or whether it's empty. Uh, I can't see splatter in it, but I think it probably is. It's just like, but it's yeah, again, another one of my headaches. I was, go- I was going to say because I've got cryptic. So, but um, I was going to say the only thing I'll say is that they they do age better than clowns. Yes, yeah, they, they do. don't yeah. they don't brown out like clown do. So I do think 
that migraines and amers and things like that should be more popular than they are especially in like the mixes and things like that because they they just age so much better they they don't they don't i mean probably i've got a um pastel vanilla krypton female she's got to be my best adult female she's bright as anything do you know what i mean yeah. so so actually they do age a lot better you know don't get me wrong yeah. i've got a um i've got a pastel leopard krypton male and he doesn't look that dissimilar to a pastel leopard clown yeah do you know what i mean yeah. but but he still is a bit brighter than uh, yeah. uh you know like because a pastel normally browns out a clown it has the opposite yeah. effect with kryptons or, or cryptics or migraines and things like that it seems to brighten them so so yeah that's that yeah but i i really like them i got i got into it because i was like if i do a clown clutch it's nice to have Heart, like something other than clowns pop out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just, yeah, it adds, uh, adds another dimension to a project. Yeah. More possibilities and more chance of hitting something that is a little bit more unusual. Yeah, yeah. And that's quite cool. That's what we, you know, that's what I think everyone, you know, when you're producing stuff, and we all know that clown does have the, the, the possibility, you know, a lot of, age, when they age, they brown out. Yeah. Unless you're Justin and you, fit, you pick the right genes for them and they turn into just yeah. pocket rockets. Um, having yeah the migraine, the amur, the cryptic, just it just adds that other little excitement. So when you when something pops, it'll be like you know it'll come out and you'll just think bloody hell, yeah. Look at that wicked little thing. What's that? Yeah, yeah. You know, as you say, they'll be bright as a baby. They'll be bright as an adult. And and they react differently with the codons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. I think a red stripe like cryptic is more impressive than a red stripe clown. And um, even the um, DG versions, they're brighter. They, yeah. I, I know I'm going to get slandered for this. Don't get me wrong. I love I love DG Clown, but but if you see if you see the DG Cryptics, Kryptons, things like that, they're so bright. It's ridiculous. It's, um, there's a guy. Uh, he used to be Hoosier Exotics. I think it's Razor Edge or some Razor Edge Innovations or something or rather. He has got um, he's got an amazing collection of Desert Ghost stuff. He's also got a lot of cryptic in with his Desert Ghost. And it's, it is. I mean, you know, looking at those cryptic DGs and, and seeing all the, all the sort of the cryptic in his pied and the cryptic in his yeah. DG pieds, you're just like, Jesus Christ, these animals are ridiculous. Yeah. And with the cryptic, it adds, you know, it, in some combos, it takes away the eye stripe. In some combos, it adds a thinner eye stripe. Or the head stamps are different, yeah. more unique, and I think that's it's a really cool extra little thing to have. Yeah, and I think back in the day, I remember when I say back in the day, I haven't been here that long. Bloody hell! Uh, back in there, <laughs> uh, I you know I remember breeding like breeding animals and then you know putting like a some some male combo to a het clown female just to produce some nice babies, and then hitting a clown and just being like what the fuck and with cryptic and a mer and, and migraine more so sort of cryptic I guess popping up so much in clown yeah I remember back when I produced a clown from a pairing that I thought could not produce a clown so you're producing and, and that that kind of thing with, with cryptic when that popped up that was like this extra dimension to a project yeah and I think you know back then when you had animal and, and with clown popping up in loads of different projects now cryptic cryptic popping up it just adds something to your collection that you might not have had or not yeah. might not have thought of adding to your collection but you yeah. get it for free yeah exactly it's yeah just, 
of those wicked little added bonuses. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about this because I saw it. So you've done maternal incubation? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you done a lot of it? <laughs> I've got, I've got, funny enough, my um, my NT Volta female right now is sitting on nine eggs. Okay. Uh, but she, I, I think she'd probably kill me if I tried to take the eggs away from her. So <laughs> I decided to just get a big old bag of moss, soak it completely, squeeze out all the excess water and put it in the end of the tub. So, and obviously I'm, um, my incubator isn't switched on at the moment because I'm, my new snake room is being built. So basically, anyway, I, yeah, I'm doing one. I didn't expect to do one this year, but I'm doing one. Um, I did three last year and then five the year before. So I've kind of, and I've really enjoyed them. It's, it's, a, it's an experience I would always, always recommend everyone does at least once. So, so where do you put the moss? Do you put it at the front or... Yeah, so if, if you imagine um, the length of the tub, you've got the hot, hot well, the heat plate at the back. Yeah. Uh, and the, and I, I use the FB tub, so they've got the, the water bowl two-thirds of the way down and that little end bit. So yeah. that little end area, I get basically, I buy these little bricks of moss and you just rehydrate them and then it turns into this enormous Sainsbury's bag of moss. <laughs> so you then basically, you put I, I put it from one side of the tub to the other side all the way along and then that allows me to, but what I can do with the FB tubs, which is quite nice, is I can open them really slowly, slide a piece of card just past the water bowl, yep. so there's, it's still dark and I'm not disturbing the most evil animal I've got in my snake room, and I can take the water bowl out and I can spray the moss, and then I can slide it back in. And that's what I found with the other maternal incubations, I've been doing them in 33 litre tubs, and with those, you're kind of opening the tub completely, you've got the light in the room, the snakes get disturbed, it all kind of, you know, it it kicks off. So if you've got FB40s, or sorry, FB70s, FB40s, I mean, you could probably do it in FB40 if your female's not huge, but in FB70, the advantage of having that water bowl so close and static, you can slide a little bit of card in, that's what I'd also recommend, slide the card in, keep it dark, and then you can leave that bit of card there and mess about all you like, you know, clean the water bowls, dampen the moss, and... So that's what I've done with this female, but previously, and I've done it similar in a 33 litre, so I basically moss at the front, water bowl kind of squeezed up against the moss, lots of rectichip or herb husk or whatever I was using, coconut style husk, um, and then the female just kind of, you know, gets the nest area out, and the other thing that I've, I thought, you know, I found important to do is always have them, the females you're going to do a maternal incubation with, always have them in an isolated area in Iraq where you can adjust the temperature. Okay. So my FB70 has got three stats on it. It's only a 10 high, it's got three stats. And I've taken one of the females out of the tub and I put her in the bottom. So the female who's maternally incubating has got an area where I can actually turn the stat down, not, not significantly, but turn it down to room temperature so that she's not being, you know, she's not sitting on a hot spot baking the eggs because essentially the female will keep those eggs at the right temperature. Um, so that's what I found I did, and I did that. I've got wild rats, which I did the other maternal incubations in, and they're split into rows, and they're split into kind of tens, you know, so I've got four stacks of ten, and one of them, each of the tens has got two stacks, so I can piss about with those, and I can get the temperature just about right. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's worked. To be fair, it's actually, it's worked for me I'm not going to say better. It's worked equally as well as artificially 
uh, incubating the eggs. The females, you know, there, there's this thing that <clears throat> kind of used to really piss me off, but I've learned not to get pissed off by it anymore, is that there's this, there's this desperate need, as soon as, the, you know, as soon as it gets to like a certain day, there's this desperate need to just get the scissors out and butcher your eggs. Mm. Because there's, you know, people, they're, they're, whoever, I don't know, some people have said it, and they're like, oh, you've got to, you've got to cut the eggs because there's no way they're going to come out. Or, you know, you need to help the babies out. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, do you actually know anything? Are you doing any research? Please, just, just, you know. And I'd, I'd say, I don't have conversations with mates, and I'll probably piss off a few people saying it. But I just, I don't mind cutting eggs. It's, I'm all for it. I think cutting eggs is great. I don't think cutting eggs that haven't picked is a good idea. I think getting to a certain day in incubation, if the eggs look good, just leave the fucking things alone. Yeah, yeah. I've had, because all my maternal incubations from, oh, what, the eight or nine, I think it's nine. I think it's nine. Well, including this female, it's nine. And I'm yet to see what comes of this lot, but of all the other maternal incubations, I've never lost a snake and I have never cut an egg. I've just let them come out, do their thing, and all the babies have come out and all of them have been strong feeders and all of them are still doing well. And they've, you know, the, the mums have done incredibly well. Uh, none of them annoyed me, none of them have eaten on eggs. And I tried to feed the Volta, but yeah, she basically tore her right in half and then <laughs> went back to the eggs. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, the, you know, I, as I'm all, and I've, I've said it a number of times, I've said it on my, on my YouTube, I've, you know, mum knows best, mum will do the job. She's yeah. setting the eggs. As long as you give her fresh water and you don't, you know, and I know it's, this might be a controversial thing, but you can't be expected with a maternally incubated female. You can with a V70 with uh, with these deli cups, but with other tubs, it's very difficult. Unless I suppose you use a towel, but then you're just you're disturbing them anyway to get that water bowl out and clean them. You know, clean it and do it every couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, what you want to be doing. So there is an element of something you know that worried me at first that I, was, I wasn't cleaning the water bowls enough but at the end of the day i'm not disturbing a female who's potentially going to leave the eggs and then i'm going to have a problem and i've never had a, an issue with it i mean you know it might sound controversial i might get a bit of uh, backlash from it but it's worked for me every time all the females have eventually got back on food um all the babies have been healthy and i think it's just been overall it's been a very interesting experience um I kind of, in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, you know, I, of all the all the females who I take the, take off the eggs, I give them a clean, shove them back in a tub, and they're all like, "Where's my eggs?" And obviously, a bit sort of, you can, you, they t they seem a bit nervous and a bit kind of stressed out. So I thought to myself one day, maybe what I should do is I should let the females do it. And I'd watch, I watched a couple of videos, uh, watched some YouTube videos. I spoke to a couple of people who'd done it, and. All of the, you know, Darren Hughes was one, and he was just like, mate, the female knows best, just let her do it. Just put some moss at the, you know, the front of the tub. So I did that, and I've had almost 100% success, I think. No, I have. I've had 100% success so far. And it just shows that you don't, you know, mum does know best. You just have to ensure that you lower the temperature and don't disturb the eggs. Don't be like, oh, it's day 50. Let's tug mum off the eggs and cut them all up. Yeah, yeah. Because... It's, it's obviously, uh, you know, there's a couple of us on the Discord channel who've done them, and we both, you know, you, you've seen pictures um, on the Discord channel of the snakes all coming out of the eggs, and that's the thing, you know, it's, I know, you know, we're, it's always this thing of, 
in nature, this is what they do, but we're not in nature. We're, 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 we're doing everything artificially. We're giving them heat. We're giving them a different food source. We're doing everything in there. So they're different. They're not programmed the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would I highly recommend it to everybody. I think it's, it is nerve wracking because there's an element of, I think there's probably an element of OCD in all of us in, in the way that either we keep our animals, feed our animals, clean our animals, um, that, that isn't programmed into us. So we suddenly go, right, well, I'm in there every couple of days, water bowls, poo check, you know, poo check, all that sort of stuff. And when you don't get that, you're walking past a tub that you're going, I, I, oh, I've got to get in there and just, just do a spot clean, but you don't, you know, it's almost like you want to, you want to just tape across the front of the tub, get yeah. to take the front of the tub shut. But um, yeah, it's, it's a wicked experience. I was never really, I was never really particular, I was never that nervous because I'd had people really confirm that it is quite an easy thing to do. Um, and again, you know, I, I, keep, I keep saying it, but do it if you get the chance because it is, it's so unbelievably satisfying seeing these little heads poke, poke out of a coil and then mum kind of obviously looking down at them going, what the fuck is this? But as soon as they start to pip, I think my, I'm pretty certain mum will leave after the first few pip. But most of the mums that I've had, when the babies are pipping, they're around the coil, that's where they've been for the last 50, 60 days, and they don't really move. Once all the babies come out and there's yolk everywhere and it's all a bit of a mess in there, mum will basically go up and she'll sit on the moss. So she goes and almost, I guess, maybe rehydrate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And and sits there while all these little babies are just writhing around, a bit confused about what's going on. But it's it's cool. It's a very, uh, very cool thing. I didn't, think I was going to be doing any this year but I'm obviously I'm now doing it and I think I'm not going to be doing another clutch for another two months so I should be all right uh, and I'll get them artificially um, incubating but I guess the only thing that uh, the only thing that I would say is obviously when you from my opinion only this is my opinion and I think it's different with a number of people if you do do the maternal incubation just be aware that it does take a lot out of the female. If they don't feed especially, that's a long time without food mm. and looking after your animals and, and looking after your eggs and trying to keep that, you know, regulate that heat inside the coil, which they do amazingly well. So that does sap the energy out of them. Take your time with them. And if you are going to do it and you're, you know, you're thinking like, okay, it's a project. Um, maybe I've got a female in there that I don't have a particular project for. So what I'll do is I'll, Get the mater- you know, as long as they're up to size and they're doing well and, and feeding well, do the maternal incubation, feed them up well beforehand, feed them, you know, maybe feed them slightly larger prey for, you know, for a couple of weeks beforehand or feed them smaller prey a bit more regularly before they do it. Then um, take the time getting them back uh, up to weight. Don't be like, oh, look, it's been a year, let's breed them again. You know, I would recommend giving them a year off um, if you can. And that's the, the one thing I, the only negative I would say, that's not really a negative, it's just one of the things that comes of doing a maternal incubation, is that what I ended up doing is breeding, you know, having five in one season, and then looking at the females and going, I can't breed them now for another year, so they've got to have a year off, and then I've got to get them back up to condition, and maybe even slightly longer if they're not in condition. Hmm. And then I looked at them going, oh, fuck's sake, you know, I've, I've, I bred the... Uh, two seasons ago, bred the lace hexanthic female. She did a maternal incubation, and 
then I looked at her and then I sort of think to myself, shit, she's the only she's the only adult lace female that I've got that I can breed, but she's just done a maternal incubation. So now she's got to have eighteen months off. Well, you know, twelve to eighteen months off. Yeah. So it, it will it will push a project back if you do it with a project female and you want to breed them every year to produce the hatchlings and have them in condition, um, you know, it will put your projects back. Unless of course like I've seen it happen, your female maternally incubates, eats a couple of times on the eggs, and then comes off the eggs and eats like an absolute machine for the next six to eight months, and then is like well over the weight that she was when she, you know, the prelay weight. And in that case, then it's a judgment call. It's up, it's up to the, the breeder. If you, if you as a breeder think that your snake is ready, by all means, breed it again and, and do a maternal incubation again. Because, you know, I think once you program the female, and once the female's done it once, they will perhaps, you know, they'll be happy to do it again or they'll do it again without thinking about it. Um, I did have, yeah, I did have thoughts of doing doing more, but I wait till my new snake room's done. I've got that one obviously sitting there, that uh, Volta sitting in the tub now, and that was just an unexpected. But uh, I'll certainly do them again. And what I will, what I really want to do is I've got, obviously I've got the carpet pie, big carpet python, and a big rainbow boa who are both yeah, they're both breeder females but I don't have males ready for them and I've, I've got this dream of breeding uh, breeding the boa and breed, you know, breeding the, the Brazilian rainbow boa and the carpet python just because I've never bred those species yeah. so I want to do those and I will probably do both of them maternally <laughs> you know it's got, I, I, well I say maternally I mean the BRB is going to be giving birth to live anyway so yeah I was going to say yeah <laughs> uh, that's not work but you know with, with the carpet python definitely she's a monster she's massive i think it'd be amazing to just have her in a nesting box in her viv yeah sitting there on a bunch of eggs and then all the bloody all these carpet pythons coming out of all different colors and patterns so yeah definitely gonna do it again definitely recommend it and uh yeah it's, a, it's an enjoyable experience if your if your nerves aren't shredded after the first month <laughs> do they do they pip later uh, no, weirdly, I've had um, I've had maternal incubations pit from on day fifty. I've had maternal incubations pit on day sixty, and I, I, I put that more down to maybe the tub was slightly warmer or the, mm. the hot spot was slightly warmer. So in in effect, mums coil around the eggs, but they're still getting that kind of that extra bit of heat, so they are coming out slightly early. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I have had a variety. So I've had them pip on day 50. I've had them pip on day 52, day 54, uh, day 58, day 62. Um, that was the, I think it was the pinstripe head daddy who I bred, I bred the entry splatter migraine to a pinstripe head daddy and her started pipping on day 62. And I, I was a little bit worried because I looked at the calendar and I'd gone, day 60, this is a bit fucked. <laughs> and I, you know, day 61, I went in there and you could see that she was sort of, She'd loosened on the coil, so clearly something had happened. And maybe, and I, I don't know this, and I don't know whether there's any research to, to validate it, but I think when the babies do start to um, move in the egg and they start to, you know, the milk tooth starts to kind of run around the side of the egg, maybe the female actually feels that, so she loosens the coil knowing that something's going to happen. And the pinstripe head daddy female loosened that coil, and I went in the next morning, and there was there were egg cuts, egg tooth cuts all over loads of the eggs. And I was like, here we go. And it kind of happened. Then I let them all come out and every single one came out. Every single one was fine. Um, and I guess just some were a bit longer, but uh, some take a slightly longer. 
but her hotspot, oh, it was a cool spot, her hotspot was like 78, 79, it was quite low. Oh, wow. And she produced the most beautiful clutch. She just kept them at the right temperature. So it clearly works. I mean, you know, thinking about that, saying that with the, with the temperature thing, there's also a, I, I'm not going to say it's a common misconception because it's not. I think it's, there's a, a kind of, a, you know, there seems to be a set of rules that people abide by or, or follow with keeping your, keep your reptiles at a certain temperature. I keep my, you know, there's this 90, 92 to 94 hotspot. And I'm like, if you, if you if you want to eat your snakes, fair enough, cook them at that temperature. But I, um, I don't, I, I kind of, I've got mine at sort of 80, 87 to, 87 to 88, something like that. That kind of temperature, which I feel is, I feel is fine. I've never, you know, I've never had an RI at that temperature, never had any feeding issues. And I think the females are, are slight, well, I don't know, maybe they're slightly more comfortable. But uh, yeah, that whole temperature thing is a funny one. That's another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's a difficult one. Do you keep your hatchlings warmer? I keep my hatchlings at eighty nine to ninety one or eighty eight to ninety one. Always keep the hatchlings warmer, and it's just uh, I suppose at that young age, you just want your hatchlings to be eating loads. Yeah, and eating you know eating consistently, and you know at that temperature, I always find that everything you offer them they just muller yeah they'll just they'll consistently do it and then you know i'll keep them in those tubs at that temperature until they're about 800 grams and then they'll go into a 33 liter tends to be with a divider but some of them who you know i've got a couple of incredible sort of eight 850 gram females we've got a super chocolate hypo and a uh oh, whatever it is a leopard leopard something a rather head clown female um, who are both 850 and they're, they're going to get transferred over today to a tub each, a 33 litre each because they eat so well that I know they're just going to grow into that tub in no time I see what I don't know. Do is squeeze a couple of 900 gram females into a divider and, and then they're just literally they sat in the end of the divider <laughs> through the little hole just like that all squished and with no space and I did that with a Wookiee I bought um, a pastel Wookiee female from Tony Gator at Alto Pythons and I had her in a V18 for, for about 20 minutes, and now she, you know, now she's like two kilos. God knows what I'm going to breed to her. I had a plan for her, but I'm kind of now looking at looking at what else I could do. I've been looking at a lot of Justin's videos because he's done a lot of Wookie. I've also I was also thinking to myself, I've got the the, the chocolate Wookies are fucking amazing. They are, yeah. But I mean, it's been it's not so much it's been done. I suppose it's more. What can I what can I do with it? Do I want to do do I want to put lace with Wookie? Because is lace gonna is lace gonna work with Wookie? Wookie's mental. Wookie's just an incredible gene. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Wookie works so well with the dark stuff. It does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. So I, I to be honest, I have no idea how it worked with the light stuff. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. So I mean, you know, now I'm kind of thinking. You know, when I looked, I originally bought her because I wanted to put Wookie into my migraine project. Yeah. I think that'd be quite cool. Yeah. The more I look, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I do like the Wookie clowns. I like Wookie clown combos and I've got a black pastel lesser fire clown. Nice. And I'm like, you know, fire, black pastel fire are pretty wicked. The lesser, I'm not too fussed about. But, and obviously the pastel in the Wookie isn't ugh, ideal for the clown project. 
So I'm like, you know, then I'm thinking to myself, oh, should I just sling in the yellow belly desert ghost, make some desert ghost wookies? Because wookies look cool. Yeah. And if they age well, I yeah. think that might work quite nicely. But it's, an, again, it's, you know, it's another one of those headaches. But uh, and it's another genetic I've got in my collection that I never thought I'd get into my collection, but just decided one day just to just go a bit mad and smoke the bank and buy a wookie. But, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, it's bloody difficult to figure out what to do with that one <laughs> no I, I think that not a lot's been not a lot's been done with Wookie yet yeah so we're still yet to see like a lot of stuff I mean I know Justin's done a lot of combos but he's done a lot of similar combos you know because obviously he's worked, yeah big on clown he's worked it heavily yeah. into clown and I think you know I, I, I believe obviously we know that Hypo and DG make things look fucking cool yeah I think I, I like I like the thought of a, I like genetic stripe clowns so I was then thinking, you know, genetic stripe might work with Wookie. Would it work with Wookie? It does. It, but that's the great thing. It's like tinkering, you know. Yeah. You're sitting in the room thinking, can I can I somehow reprogram my brain to be like Justin Kabilkas <laughs> and figure out that this gene goes with that gene? And and you know, so I'm still I still look at her. She's ready to breed pretty much. Uh, I think she's only in her second winter. I could leave her for another year, and and that might you know that might up my chances of getting a couple more eggs. Um, or she might just go for me. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's an un- she's an untested female, so I don't specifically know when she's going to go for me. You know, obviously that blackhead Ivo from Gareth, I bred her twice at the end of last year, and she she went. So obviously she's a late one. She goes late. This Wookiee female might be an early, might be a late. I might miss it, but I do have an ultrasound, so I can. Uh, oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I, I went down that route. Obviously, I. I'd spent a lot of time at Tony Hersey's. He bought an ultrasound, didn't really use it very much, and when he said to me, "Oh, do you want to take it to yours and use it?" So I started messing about with it. He didn't think it had the right uh, probe. Yeah. So I bought it here, bought the ultrasound gel, and started messing about with females and 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 trying to use it. I'm not, I'm still not very good, but it's a it's a work in progress. But I do feel that I think if you're um, if you breed at a specific time of the year then having an ultrasound is, it's a useful little toy. It's not for everyone. And, you know, I, I kind of, I learned when I was first breeding, I learned palpation. So I learned how to palpate females, how to kind of feel the follicles properly without putting too much pressure. And I could never kind of, you know, I can't measure the, the size of a follicle with my finger, but you can certainly tell that they're getting bigger. Yeah. They're going to get bigger or that whether they've been reabsorbed. And the ultrasound was just... It was quite fun. It was like, oh, look, I know I've got a couple of females I know who are going to be grabbing fairly soon. So oh, let's just ultrasound them and have a look. And then you go, you know, you, you figure out exactly where on the snake you're meant to do it, you know, kind of down in that oviduct, two thirds of the way down. And then you run the ultrasound along and you're like, fuck me. Oh, go. And then you change the angle of it again. And then and you kind of, you, uh, one minute you do it by yourself and you're just covered in gel. And this female's like the other end of the room because she's not. <laughs> not doing it and then I figured out that if I got my wife in she can hold the snake and I can ultrasound and it's wicked because you sort of you see obviously you see the black the, the gold bladder you see the you see the, the skeleton and then you obviously you see all these little eggs and if you ultrasound the big females they've got a row they've got a row of eggs and another row on the other side so you're kind of going around both sides and I could never work out exactly how many eggs one of my females had so like, that's the example of that was ultrasounding a female who I thought had four eggs or four follicles 
uh, and she laid nine eggs. And I was like, where the fuck did they come from? But they, quite clearly, I didn't spot them in the ultrasound. Um, but yeah, it's a wicked little toy. It's, it's quite a fun toy to have. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really use it very much and it costs 700 quid. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, quite, I took him around to Gareth once and ultrasounded a load of his snakes, which was wicked. And all his snakes are just so chilled. They are like, they're, <laughs> they're just like Gareth, they're just chilled. Because he gets, he, you know, I don't know if he, he, you've spoken to him about what he does with his hatchlings and how he, how he calms his animals down. But I'll leave him to talk about that on the time you talk to him. But it's wicked, you know. He's, he's, his animals are so chilled every time you open, and and then you know you know that he's brought in an animal when you open the tub, and it goes bosh straight out. Mm. You're like that's not one of yours, is it? The one that's just taken your face off. Yeah, I try and I try with hatchlings just to try and just get hands on with them just a couple of times a week, even if it's just quick, just so that they kind of distinguish food person. Just because yeah. otherwise they're just little terrors, and every time you go in to change the water or whatever, they're snapping away at you and stuff like that. That's that's what you know, I just do it because otherwise you try you try to sell one to someone and it's like yeah, it's striking in every direction. Does it bite? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like you're like yeah, it does a little bit, but it will calm down. <laughs> so, do you feed um do you feed ASFs and rats? I feed both, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, a long time ago, I've probably, well, I say a long time, five years ago, six years ago maybe, I, my collection got to the point where I actually realised that it was more financially viable to breed my own rodents. So I started breeding African soft furs, which I got from Kev, funnily enough. I'd drive up to rugby and see Andy Malander and Kev and get a load of Maltese from the farm. So I was going up there getting, a, you know, two or three hundred of them, bringing them down sexing them all, putting them into their groups. And then I went down the route of buying the professional breeding racks. So I had a single garage, which is now my existing snake room, with four either side. So I had eight breeding racks, all with their own water systems. And I was breeding thousands and thousands of Maltese. And it was great, but it just took so much time. Mm. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a dedication of a whole day every week which I had to take out of my working day or my private life to deal with all these rodents and then that was it was a it was at some point at the end of that year of breeding them that me and my missus sort of went this is a bit too much you know if they smell we're getting more rats from outside trying to come in get the food it's you know it and it became a chore and it was expensive to feed all those rodents and time-consuming so we kind of we cut it all I sold all the racks and built myself a couple of little ones and start and I always had a couple of tubs of rats I said a couple I had like 30 tubs of rats so I had I had tubs of rats and shitloads of Maltese and the rats obviously the rats kick out a litter and they grow quickly and you can you can cull them CO2 and then just go in with a bunch of fresh killed stuff and just go bang 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 and everything eats it but over time and I know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of information out there, whether it's information or misinformation about the, the you know the nutritional value of Maltese to rats and this and that. But uh, I always found them kind of similar on a similar par. Obviously, rats are a bigger meal; you get more coming out the other end. Maltese yeah. are a smaller meal, but seem to be you know seem to always go, seem to get eaten all the time. Whereas a rat might get left one in six or one in ten might get left every time you feed. But um, yeah, so I, I breed, at the moment I breed, I've got 
12 tubs of African soft furs. Funny enough, I got from you, didn't I? Yes. It's a line I got from you. Yeah. Um, and I've been breeding that line, and they're wicked. They're all really chilled. Um, none of them are really bitey, even the pregnant females. Even the male, a couple of males in there are a bit bitey, but uh, they've been since digested. Um, but <laughs> the... Yeah, you know, so I've got 10 tubs of those. I'm actually, another another guy, off, another person off the Discord has really very kindly put some rats aside for me so I can um, so I can start my breeding of rats again mm-hmm. because they breed so fast and it's a nice option. I like to start all my hatchlings, I start on a live multi. So I give them two, sometimes three live multis and then I go fresh killed, then I go frozen thawed. So I get that progression of no tongs, tongs, and just always tongs. Yeah. And they tend to go over that pretty well. And I think that's, that's, it's worked for me, but I do feed my sub adults and my adults rats, unless they're really picky. And they'll have a, you know, I've got a couple who feed on live Maltese. I've got um, a couple who are just really annoying and don't want to eat anything apart, you know, maybe one, one fresh killed multi every couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah, predominantly rats uh, with a kind of with a smattering of multi. Yeah, and mice on very rare occasions. I've got mice. I do have chicks in my freezer, but they've been in my freezer for fucking ages, so they might as well go to the bin. Um, yeah, I got the same. Yeah, good <laughs> yeah, yeah. chicks somewhere in there at the bottom somewhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's same as mice. I messed up. I um. I had because they breed so prolifically. I ended up yeah. with so many mice. I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just do a big cull. I culled a load. It left myself with a trio. And the day after I did the cull, the the, the boy died. Oh no way! Yeah, literally the day after I went in and he was dead, and I was like, oh yeah. my god, that's never happened before. Sod's law, and he hadn't, and the females weren't weren't pregnant. So, so I've got no mice now. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. You breed, you breed quite a lot of Maltese. Not really, no. Um, I did at one point, and then I reduced them because probably the same as you. Like it was taking way too much time. Um, you know, like cleaning them out and and stuff like that. So now I just keep, I just keep like, I don't know, probably like five, six breeding colonies, and then sure. and then yeah, and then just grow up from there. But to be honest, I I tend to buy in the big ones. Yeah, and um, just sort of keep them so that I've got smaller ones. Do you know what I mean? Because um, it just takes so long to grow them up. Um, yeah, that's right. They take a, they take an age, and I think it. Um, the you know with rats they're really fast. They breed quickly. They grow yeah. quickly, and that's the joy of them. You can actually fill up your freezer fairly fast. Yeah. But say if you grow, you know you breed a load of rats. You start in January, you breed all your rats, and you start pairing them and, and culling them off and and re, re kind of refreshing your stocks with the babies and breeding them by the end of the year you'd have a shed full yeah whereas maltese you'd start breeding them in january they don't give you babies until fucking end of march yeah and then those babies take ages to grow up themselves yeah but my issue at the moment is because i've got 10 tubs and i've got hatchlings starting to come and i'm giving those hatchlings alive you know they i think this is their third meal so they had this morning I had fresh kill, but that's still me taking a multi-tub into the snake room, uh, you know, culling them and then feeding them to the feeding them to the snakes. But it's taken them a while to breed. But now I've got ten tubs and a, 
of those ten, nine of them have got tons of babies in them. Yeah. So that's kind of snake food. You know, that's snake food for the for the months to come. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I said, I just do it now. Just I have got enough for like hatchlings, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's you know, and then maybe some bigger ones for like grow ups and things like that, but. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can't be bothered anymore. It was literally taking, like, same as you, you know, it was taking a day every weekend away. Like, every Sunday, I was, like, just cleaning rodents. And I was like, oh, is it really worth it? <laughs> yeah, well, it take, you know, that, that's one of the 10 tubs I've got now. And I, I, it's an old professional rack I've got with those fairly kind of mid-sized tubs. Not the yeah, yeah, yeah. The high tops or the low tops, it's the mid-sized. And I had a full rack of those. But... I just I got my grinder out and I just cut the whole lot off and I kept the casters on the bottom and so I've just got this little really thin wedge which is going to go on a little shed outside the new snake room and that just gives me enough and that takes half an hour yeah and I clean that in half hour and it's just like it's a joy to do and I'm like oh yeah another 40 babies yeah that's yeah half an hour nice and simple yeah that's it yeah it probably takes me uh, half an hour an hour a week to do the yeah. rodents so like that's much better but it was it was taking me it was taking me nearly all day and i was like oh my god this is ridiculous yeah. so yeah i reduced it massively yeah um there are, you, know, you spend a lot of time you know some people i know you spend more time with the rodents than they do with the snakes i i was i was yeah i was you know i was i was like this is ridiculous it's you know it was it, i mean it would take me that long with the snakes if i was doing like a deep clean yeah um exactly. but you know on average, I was spending way, way more time doing rodents, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." Am I a snake breeder or a rodent breeder? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. All right, we'll get into the uh, five questions. So, what's your all-time favourite combo? What I've produced, or that I've ever seen? Ever seen? It can be what you've produced. Okay, favorite breeder. Uh, me, no. Um, <laughs> my favorite breeder. Oh god, oh, that's a tricky one. Um, uh, are we talking social media wise? Are we talking? Um, sorry, like YouTube or? Uh, it, it can be anything, really. Um, I cheated. I did about five. <laughs> I couldn't think yeah, of one. I mean, you know, I, 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 to be honest, yeah, if I was say my favourite breeder, and I think, yeah, it's, again, it's probably boring. My favourite breeder has to be, it has to be Justin. Because I think, I, I think everything about what he does, how he conducts himself, 
how he comes across, how he explains what he does, uh, what he produces, yeah. and and just everything about the way he is, just it kind of why you know I, I I look at him and I, I think to myself, imagine if everyone in the hobby was like him. Yeah. Not 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 necessarily, you know, super rich mega breeder, uh, you know. But if they if if, if everyone was everyone was kind you know he's he's got this amazing family as well behind him mm-hmm. that he's clearly like as passionate more passionate about his family than he is with his snakes and he's the most passionate person i've ever seen on you know on the telly about you know talking about animals i think if if everybody had the same mentality in terms of you know your dedication your your kind of your willingness to learn your knowledge or your kindness and the fact that you can bring people in and, and let people share in what you're doing, then the hobby would be a, a very kind of, you know, it'd be a very special place. But I think, yeah, he's, he's got to be my number one for now. Yeah. Okay, you got to pick one. Pied or clown? Clown. Sunset or monsoon? Oh, oh. i get a coin. I don't know. I've not seen that much of either of them, but I, I think I prefer Monsoon to Sunset. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you struggle with that one. because I'll go Monsoon, definitely. Oh, good. See? <laughs> so I pick Monsoon. I was the same as you. I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one. It's, you know, I, I do... I know, you know, I know Ross McKee. I know he's um, he's working with Sunset. He's producing yeah. some wicked stuff. Yeah. And he... For, for me... I'm watching to see what he does with it because what he's done is he's managed to to add a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting codons to the project. Yeah. And now he's really you know he's got all these breed of female het sunsets and he's produced sunsets this year. But he's he's adding things to it and he's gonna kind of he'll give us a very good insight into how other genes work with the with sunset. Whereas like monsoon. The single gene monsoon for me is just an amazing animal. Mm-hmm. Monsoon, moray, whatever, you know, both kind of similar, maybe different lines. But the single gene monsoons are amazing. The only thing about monsoon that's unsure, that I'm unsure about, is does it actually just overpower like pinstripe? Does it just overpower every single genetic? Will it just be a speckly snake with a slight hue? Uh, slight yellow hue if you've got pastel in it or will it be you know if you if you make a monsoon clown will it just be a monsoon looking animal with a clown head with a blank head well have you have you seen the moray clown yes yeah yeah Yeah. so i actually really like that i liked it yeah i thought it was nice so yeah we 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 can pretty much say that they're probably the same so you can imagine that the monsoon clown is going to look like that Um, yeah um and I, like I said, I, I'm excited to see it with DG. I think yeah. DG could be really interesting. I think uh, I don't know if a hypo version's been made or, you know, DG and hypo would be good. I mean, you know, with DG, uh, hypo animals still look incredible as adults, and I think they do. It does enhance the animal. It kind of obviously gives it that smoky look. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, but I would say for now it's got to be monsoon because it's just I, I just prefer it for now but you ask me in 18 months or you know ask me in two years time when i've seen what ross has produced yeah 
and seeing where the project can go. And obviously, I know Gav's working with it as well. Yeah, yeah. On a double, double, double. What is he doing? He's doing. Um, he's doing triple. He's. I think he's sunset trying. And, yeah, he's doing sunset ultramel. I think he's trying to do uh, sunset ultramel pides. Is the yeah, ultimate. That's right. yeah, that yeah. Was the one. So you know, again, Gav's another one to watch because Gav's got some really cool stuff and some great ideas. And um, you know, I think it is a wicked project to watch. I yeah. Think it's definitely one that it's not one that I'm ever going to get into, and I think it's going to be the same with Monsoon. I think. They're really cool, and that's the nice thing about a lot of genetics and a lot of projects and a lot of the breeders out there. People are working with stuff that I don't have, but I've actually got to that point now where I feel like I've got everything I need in a way. I've got all, I've got all the ingredients for everything I need, so I will just happily watch the projects from, from yeah. the outside. Unless, of course, somebody comes out and produces like, you know, the most insane insane animal with the Sunset Project or the Monsoon Project, but Again, it goes down, it, go, it come back to the price because sunsets and monsoons at the moment, you buy a het monsoon for 15 grand. You know? Yeah, mon- monsoons price is way, way higher than sunset. Sunset's dropping yeah. quite quick, but the monsoon yeah. price, I've seen 50% het monsoons that are for sale for like crazy money. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't think, I, I think until people start releasing loads of combos and I think until, until we've actually... Oh, until we've, um, you know, until we've seen the potential of the project and seen how far it can possibly go, and whether, whether you know, ten genes out there, ten codons or recessives, see how they can enhance it or see how they mess with the pattern. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for the sunsets with the colour, then it's kind of, you know, it's it's a it's just a cool one to watch. Yeah. And I bet there's going to be some wicked stuff come out. I'm sure Justin's already got. Okay, he's probably already got sunset monsoons, but. <laughs> Who knows? He's probably he's probably got four sunset het monsoon females that he's breeding this year. Probably, no, probably, so crazy. Uh, we will see it, and I think they're both yeah both got massive potential. And I know there are a number of people working with sunset in the UK monsoon. I know there are a couple of people who have hets. Um, I'm sure. Uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, Tom. Who's he in Liverpool? Oh, oh TBR. TBR reptile. Yeah, he's got he's got uh, monsoon male het monsoon male, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got hets. And there is a guy in the UK who's got a visual, I think. Yes, yeah, I think there might be someone this year. I, I, it was Darren Hughes. You might have said, oh, my mate, congratulations to my mate on producing the yeah, first I, in the UK. Who did I see? Because I saw a picture of it. Um, yeah. I, yeah think, I, it I think he might be breeding it now. Oh, really? I think yeah. so. I, I can't remember his name now. I think, I think if you're in the project, if you're in the, you know, like, as you can see, Ross is... Selling het sunsets yeah. on Morph Market for seventeen grand, oh, seventeen grand, and you know there are going to be people in Europe who buy that. Maybe people in the UK who want to buy it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, what was the other one? Stranger. Stranger was being sold for. I know. I know a few people who bought Stranger het clowns for twenty five grand. Yeah. And I mean, I'm all, I'm all for spending money on animals, and I'm all for buying wicked projects, but twenty five grand. In my in my mind, twenty five grand is just a complete waste of twenty five grand. It's I just I, you know if, if you've got but I, I think from my perspective, I've got a family and I've got yeah yeah outgoings and all this sort of stuff. So twenty five grand, if I did that, my wife would divorce me. <laughs> um, so I don't think I'd ever spend that much money on a snake. Um, but there are people out there, and I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. I'm just it's not I'm not going to spend that kind of money. 
insane. I always think about it. I always think I've never had I've never had a snake die. Um, yeah. But I think if I do have one, it will be that one. This is it. <laughs> yeah. This, you know what I mean? You run the risk of, although we, we, we are captive breeding animals, we're giving them everything they desire, yeah. everything they need, we, you know, you, you can never rule it out. You no. can never rule out for some reason an, an animal will swallow a bit of reptile chip and, you know, yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're dealing with a, a really sick animal or, or they might smash their face against the tub feeding and then yeah. break their jaw or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a 25 grand animal that might not make it or the vet says we're going to have to put it down yeah and I suppose that you know if I was to buy a 25 grand animal or an animal up in that region I'd, I'd get pet insurance for that one animal <laughs> yeah 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 it's not yeah it's not bad shout the insurance yeah I think that, you know, for that one animal that would be it because you get a problem with that animal you are oh my god yeah 25 grand yeah, that could buy you a brand new BMW that could buy you yeah. a deposit for a flat that could, you know yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, a, it's an insane amount of money yeah I I, I I think the stranger gene will come down in price but it's going to take yeah. time yeah. and you can see I've already seen there's quite a few people who've got like quite a lot of it they obviously invested a while ago yeah and they're yeah. struggling to sell it because the price is still so high that's right yeah. you know and um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really like Stranger. I think it's a great, great gene. Um, I love what it does in Clown, but the price is yeah. insane. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. Right, uh, money no object snake. You can buy any snake in the world. It doesn't even have to be for sale. Ooh. If I had all the money in the world, what, and it's something that's not even ever been produced? Or is it something that's been produced that... I suppose it's got to be produced, but... All right. Um, oh, my God. It would probably be... Um, oh, God, the nicest animal that I've... I've phys- no, no, not physically seen. The nicest animal I've seen, obviously, the uh, desert ghost exanthic clown is uh, utterly stunning, and that would, I would imagine, be somewhere in the region of 30 grand. Um, yeah, I'd imagine, yeah. But, yeah, also, I mean, it, it, yeah... I'm just trying to think what else might there be. Um, Justin produced that incredible clutch of, what were they? It was a Wookiee clutch, Wookiee spot nose and various other bits and bobs. It was a clown clutch. The uh, Kraken. The Kraken, yeah. So if I, the, I, the Kraken would probably be another one. So it would either be the Desert Ghost Exanthic Clown or the Kraken, something like that that's just... I mean, I, I do like the Pompeii. I don't get me wrong. I like Pompeys. I like the idea of a Batman. But... They've just been done to hell. Everyone's got Batmans now. Everyone's got them. They're kind of, yeah, they're out in the market. They're still holding their value. And they're yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, yeah. I, I love them. But what I did, what I did do is I missed the boat massively on them. I've got, you know, I've got all the ingredients for them in my snake room, but I just didn't do it. Didn't, and I, you know, I would have to produce the hex first, then actually grow them up, then try and go for the visual. And I'm so far into other projects that I just, Feel I won't have the space for them, but yeah, I mean, you know, I may well buy one one day just for the beauty of having one because they are, they are stunning. Yeah, I, I like Batman's. I'm the same as you. I've got the ingredients for it, but to be honest, it, I, I'd probably hatch one out as part of a clutch where I was aiming for something else. So, exactly. so yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not aiming for a Batman, but I might hit one at some point. I just, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I, but I do like them, and like you said, they're holding their value. 
Um, I think they're still about 1,700 quid or something like that. Yeah, for a... yeah I'm, I'm pretty certain I saw one for sale for just over two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a really nice animal. It's a, it's a great... And that's the one thing, I think, with Clown, obviously, working with Clown for a number of years, I've seen a number of different combos, made some pretty cool stuff. Um, and... But yeah, but a lot of that stuff I have made, I've seen it as an adult, and you're a bit like, ugh, slightly underwhelming. Really. Yeah. And uh, it just, it doesn't quite do it. I mean, there's a lot of that out there, you know, in terms of a, I would say people's snake rooms in general, they're going to have some nice looking animals, but they're not going to look as good as the babies look. And then, the, you know, ever, really. No, I think that's the thing, because I even do it, you know, I hatch something out, it looks amazing as a hatchling, and then I, I, as you watch it grow, you, you know, you start to get disappointed, things like that. Yeah. But then I always just look at that as an opportunity, and I just look at it and go, what what could I add to that to make that age better, you know? Yeah, how can you enhance it? And that's, yeah. that's what happened with my um, Xanthic, well, whether it's an Enchi or a Super Enchi, I'm not sure. So I say an Xanthic, my Xanthic Enchi splatter migraine male, um looked like Justin's Desert Ghost Exanthic Clown when it was born. Right. And then six months later, I say that, I mean, I, it, it, let's see if I can find a picture of it on my Instagram. It looked incredible when it was born, and then it just browned out within, like, the first six months. It just went from this beautiful, clean, stunning thing to this... It's still beautiful, but it's yeah. just... It's just Weirdly brown, it's like it's gone from holy shit. So that was it. I don't know if you can see it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it was absolutely beautiful as a hatchling, and I got loads of people, you know, loads of people messaging me going, "Oh my god, that's amazing! That looks absolutely incredible." Is it a DG? And I'm like, "No, it's not." And then uh, I've probably got a picture of it now. I took another picture of it because somebody asked me to. And uh, I was like, oh, God, it doesn't look as good now. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it had browned out. It had, it looks a little, I can't find it. I'll, I'll send it to you. looks a little bit worse for wear in terms of, just in terms of its colour, it just hasn't kind of done it. So what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to breed, I'm going to grow up one of my, one of my DG females and I'm going to put it to a DG and I'm going to make some really nice little hets, uh, double het migraine DGs with that. And DG will just make it better. It will just, you know, yeah. hopefully be able to produce a visual uh, exanthic migraine, but with DG as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's think that's the secret, isn't it? I think that's why everyone's DG going DG mad because it, it just makes everything look better. I think like it's, when I, when I said like my all time favorite combo, I could. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's better combos out there, but I said that that fire hypo DG girl that um, Justin's got. Is, yeah. is my yeah. favourite. Only because I haven't seen another adult that looks as good as that. I've seen hatchlings. That looks just that incredible. Exactly. It's an adult and it looks amazing. And that's the reason why I picked it because I was like, you can get amazing hatchlings. You can get hatchlings that look better than that, but you can't, I've never seen another adult that looks as good as that. And that's, no. That, no. that's the kind of the holy grail, really, isn't it? To get an adult that looks that good. Well, you want, you know, you want... Ideally, you want every tub, and I, I remember this is all, and this came from me really getting to know Gareth and going and seeing his animals in his collection, and you know, and then thinking to myself, that's why he's called Clean Balls, <laughs> because you, you know, what he's done is he takes 
takes the genetics and or takes two recessives and puts some really nice codons in them and makes amazing animals and every single draw you and he's very specific with the animals he buys in as well. Yeah. He buys them breeders he knows produce quality lines of yeah. DG uh, or hypo. And they you know, every draw you open you're just you're mesmerized by it. And that's from the first time I met him, I said to myself, I'm gonna continue with my projects and do what I want to do, but I'm gonna to aim to have every draw I open to be an absolute banger. And then you know, whether it's a female, a male, a hatchling, it, I want it to look incredible and I want to see it growing and looking incredible as it grows. Mm -hmm. And But then I've kind of, you know, there are things that I've thought to myself, shall I phase pastel out of, out of projects? And if I get pastel out and I can enhance with, with bell genes and do other things. And But, it, it, you know, again, it's another tinkering thing. It's sort of how do I enhance a clown project? How do I, how do I there's no need to enhance a DG project because that's already done for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just that's it. It's just about think, thinking, trying to think ahead, and how I can enhance everything to make my room be one of those rooms that that I can go into and enjoy. And anyone I know who breeds snakes or buys one from me can come into the room and go, "Fuck me," and admire the collection mm -hmm. that I've toiled with and you know and spent all my you know a long period of my life on because it's a it's my passion. Yeah. <laughs> So is that, I'll, I'll, get, I'll leave a last question, I suppose. Um, are you going to do any more YouTube videos? Uh, you the famous YouTube. Um, you know what? I And I remember saying it on a Discord. I remember saying, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do more YouTube videos. And I'm going to try and do more. I mean, I said last month, oh, I'm going to try and do one. And I'm going to get on there and I'm going to get a video done. And I didn't. So what I've got, what I really wanted to do, and I've, I've looked at, a number of other people who do YouTube channels and I've sort of I've thought about how I can make my contents a bit better how I can um, manipulate my videos to not just be me because I, I just talk and talk and talk if I can come up with a plat uh, with a format for my YouTube where I do a series you know maybe I've, I've looked at the series a lot of people do series for things and I don't want to I don't want to copy someone's idea or go down that kind of route but you know, I've always done like, oh, I did a maternal incubation one, then I did a one of my hatchlings, then I showed some adults off. Actually, what I should really be doing, and I've, I've realised this only recently, I should my YouTube videos should be very obviously like I'm showing off my collection, but I want to share it and I want to show people things, and I don't want to kind of it to be all about me, me, me. Well, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, this is what I've done. So I'm kind of, I, I'm definitely going to do more. But what I will do is I'll be focusing on my projects, uh, focusing on the genetics in the projects rather than um, the direction I'm going. I'll focus on the genetics. I'll talk, in, and I think so. I'll do a, I will do a, a video on the lace. I'll do a video on talking about the exanthic side of things. Uh, definitely do one on migraine because I've got a ton of that. Mm -hmm. um, and with the new snake room, I've uh, I've got the, I've got the builder who's doing my house doing my snake room because I just don't have the time. So basically, he's building. I, I went. I was out there with him earlier, funny enough, before this uh, before this conversation, and it, we were talking. That he was he, he was in my snake room measuring all my racks, and he was going, right, this is my idea for you. This is what you should do. And I'd always thought, right, what I'd like to have is I'd like to configure my room and make it all uh, make it the best it could possibly be. So 
I, and, and this is going to help with my YouTube, I think, because it's going to give me more space and it's going to give me a better area to be able, you know, I'm going to have a central, it's basically a great big square, my new room. I'm going to have racks around the outsides, all the way around the outsides. I'm going to have racks in the middle, back to back, so you'll be able to walk around either side and, and get tubs out from either side. And then on the top, I'm going to have a proper tabletop put on there so that I can then do, I can stand my camera up, I can put snakes up on it, a really nice shiny table. Um, and so that I, my new snake room will be finished in the next two and a half weeks, three weeks. So I might do one last video in my old room and yeah. like a say goodbye to the old snake room, which has done served me well for four years. Um, and I'm actually going back to the old snake room, but it's kind of not going to be the old because they're tearing the entire thing down because it's just a rotten old shed. And they're putting a concrete base down and building this really nice, hopefully really nice kind of clad out building for me. Um, and then what I might do is I might do like a little kind of walk around, you know, I, I will do some more, but I've got some ideas of, uh, of how I kind of see out the old and see in the new. <clears throat> and what I might have to do is I'll do a YouTube video in the next couple of weeks and publish that and that'll be the last one in there. And then I'll do a YouTube video starting in the, that room and ending in that room when that's fully kitted out. It sounds so, amazing. So I've got loads of cool ideas. Um, you'll have to come when it's when it's all done. You'll have to come around for a beer and uh, yeah, that'd be wicked. Come around for a beer and a barbecue and a snake sesh because um, that room over there and it's sort of um, the builder's great because he sort of said to me, "Look, this is your racks." And he, he he drew the plan out and he said, "Right, okay." And I didn't have the insight to do this. He sort of said, "Right, this is the size of all your racking. How much more racking are you going to get?" So I said, "Right, this is what I'm going to get in the future because I'm going to need it for projects." You know, another another FB forty twenty tub, another V seventy FB, um, probably another hundred and twenty V eighteen, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. just as back up if I need them. So he went right. Okay, here's your here's your square, almost rectangle. This is the spaces you're going to take up using it. This is how much floor space you're going to have. And then I said, well, what if I put my my um, wild racks in the middle, but they're double stacked. So I take them down to a single, put them in a cube in the middle. And he said, oh, you could do that. That'd be good because that will leave you a bit more room on the walls to have more worktops because I've got vibs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so then, and he, he drew this plan out and I was like, Jesus Christ, it's just like an architect of snake room. And, <laughs> uh, and, and then he's like, right, we'll figure this out. So that's going to have, you know, it's going to have a really good, high quality UPVC door that I can lock, um, a decent sized window to let some natural light in, that sort of thing, which my current room doesn't have. Mm -hmm. It's just got a kind of a door that's covered in insulation because it was too bloody cold in the greenhouse. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really cool. That's going to be wicked. And I am definitely going to have some more YouTube videos. I think at the moment, because I've got this 50-odd-hour week job and uh, my little girl who's only two months old. So there's, you know, I've got that. I come home to the baby. I, yeah. I've also got the snake. So there's so much going on that... And then my son's suddenly picking up playing, London, uh, playing rugby at London Irish that I've, I've taken that one. So that's a whole Sunday. So I'm doing that, with, you know... So there's all these little things that I'm doing on the side, which are sort of not stopping me, but slowing me down from actually getting my, my arse in gear and just getting my GoPro out and doing a video. But it will happen. I will be back. And I do, you know, because I do like sharing content and I do like talking, as you can probably tell. <laughs> all wicked. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for coming on. No worries. No, it's a pleasure. That yeah, was great. Great talking to you.